Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. I'm one of those personalities that don't do the same thing twice, so one day I'm with an iPad, next I'm with a big old Bible, and I'm going to make you wait while I flip pages in it. That's something I miss back in Church of God in Christ. When you had the Bible reader in the room. Ephesians 6, 10, read! Finally, be strong. Be strong. In the Lord. In the Lord. That reader was strong, though, wasn't it? It was special if you were the reader. I was like, did they put in that in advance? Sometimes the pastor would just call out, Sister Margaret, read! But it gave that thing authority, didn't it? I'm tempted to do the whole message like that. Let me get back in the spirit. Lord have mercy. Reading from the English Standard Version. I got to get serious. Okay, Lord, I'm coming. Me and God have a really good relationship. We do joke. Do y'all joke with God too? I hope so. If he's just some thunderous big God that you think is going to strike you down all the time, you got to grow. God has a personality. That's where you get it from. Personality, we're God's beings. We're made in his image and likeness. God has a personality. All right. So let's read, starting Ephesians 6, 10. Again, this is the Armor of God series. Today our focus is the helmet of salvation. And it says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of whose might? His might. Not in your own, in the strength of God's might. It says, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to do what? Stand against the schemes of the who? Yes, the devil is real. He is. Is God bigger? Of course he is. But there are schemes or plans against us. So here, Paul is saying, make sure you stand. Verse 12, for we wrestle, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So he's flesh and blood. He's talking about people. We're not wrestling against people. The issues that we have with people is for a much deeper reason. So if you get caught up in just the person, you have to ask yourself, if God Almighty said that my fight is not with other people, then why am I fighting with other people? If God said it's deeper, maybe I need to spend some time and explore that so I can get higher than this situation. And it says, but against rulers and against authorities, against the cosmic powers over, the, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. For some people, that scripture alone intimidates them. What is going on out there? Principalities? Rulers? What? Well, let me make it plain for you, because I'm definitely not one to run from the enemy. I am not. He has come for my family generations over generations, and there are things that I have said, it stops right here. No more. No more. It's stopping here. It will not pass on to my children. And so because of that, there are some truths I had to come to recognize and accept. One of those truths is, yes, I have an enemy. There is someone who hates me, hates my family. I get that. Mm -hmm. And then I recognize I actually have armor to fight against that. 
love that. And on top of the armor, I also have the fruits of the Spirit, things that God has given me that makes my life good, peace, joy, kindness, happiness, things that he died to give me. So because of that, I recognize I can have a good life despite the haters. I can have a good life despite dysfunction and conflict that surface around me. But here the scripture specifically calls out that there are rulers. Well, what are rulers for? They give command and instruction. There's a ruler because they're giving direction. So is darkness targeted? Yep. Is that why we need the armor of God? Of course. Because there is a war we were enlisted in from birth. When we were born into, when we were born, we were born into a sinful nature. We were born with our flesh. That's why you'll see a two or three-year-old throwing a straight-up tantrum, flesh out of control. It is the epitome of what it looks like to not have any control every time your emotions drive you to make impulsive decisions. I don't like this. How many adults do it? Oh, oh my goodness. Married people? Should have come? Okay. I had to ask myself um, when I was meditating on this scripture, and the example that always comes up with married folks is the trash and socks being in the floor. I don't know why that is. Every marriage conference, every everything I've heard, those are the two main examples. And I was like, wow. So if darkness is targeted and there are rulers with assignments, look, I mean, trying to strategize against us, schemes or plots, that means there is intention. And if the, the whisper I accept is, I'm so sick and tired of that sock in the floor. And then I allow that suggestive thought to make me angry. And then from there, I'm now speaking out and interacting with my spouse in a very frustrated and irritated way. What am I doing? I'm now being used by darkness to create conflict. But what's the bigger issue? The ruler and the schemes, the principalities that are fighting against me. And what is he going to use? People. But it's much deeper than that. And that's why we need our armor. Let's go on. Verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. It didn't say a piece. It said the whole thing. That ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Because he says, well, I'm, I just flipped back to King James on mistake. Let me follow my text in the English Standard. Having done all, it says, so when saying, doing everything God has asked you, doing everything you have been instructed, having done all of that, he says, you still have to stand how? See, there's a disposition in it. There's a disposition. For some of us, you can stand. And I don't know what it is when you tell a child, child gets in trouble. You're like, come here, child, whatever your child's name is, niece, nephew, goddaughter, I don't know. Come here, such and such. They come over. And somehow they're standing there. But when you say, this is me, come here. Yes, I grabbed them and said, come here. Because somehow come here means come way back here. Because they in trouble. And I'm like, come here. I want you right here. But how they stood is somehow completely fluid, and they flop all the way over to, I don't know what it is with the children. They lose their limbs a little bit when they get nervous and they about to get in trouble. But there is a way to stand. And here Paul says, stand firm. Go into this war 
standing firm, standing strong, standing like you know who you are, standing like you're there on purpose. Everyone's here on purpose. It does not matter how you came about. That is laid out throughout the scripture. Throughout the scripture, Jesus had no earthly father, grew up with a stepdad. Sometimes we forget that. He got brothers and sisters that are half-siblings. He's growing up, living his life, still fulfilled God's purpose, even when it got tough for him, as we saw in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's like, God, this is a struggle for me right now. I'm not sure if I can go on, but if you want me to do it, I'm doing it for you. Now, that's standing firm. That's standing firm. Verse 14, stand therefore. Stan has said so many times in this passage, having fastened on, here we go, the belt of truth. Pastor covered these so well. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness, covering up our heart. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. I love how he's given peace in the war. Verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Pastor talked about when the darts are fired, how there's a fire actually on the darts in these wars that would be had with Romans and other nations. And what would happen is the dart would actually hit the, um, hit the shield. We'll see in a moment the shield of faith. But only if that shield had been wet, and had been prepared appropriately, would it be able to extinguish the dart? Otherwise, the shield would catch on fire. So unless preparation was made before the war, they would not be able to win. See, whether you feel like you're in a war or not, preparation time is now. You want to be strong in how you interact with coworkers and work and stuff, because them people will be crazy sometimes, I understand. And you like, this lady always do this. But how can you stand firm even in a work environment? If your dart is not prepared and covered, and I mean saturated, by the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? That means I've talked to God, I've gotten prepared. Me and him are walking and work together. I didn't leave him somewhere. He's with me. So I'm coming in prepared. I have the word of God in my heart. My head is set up straight, which we're going to talk about in a moment. And because of that, I know I can handle Miss Susie lady always asking me nosy questions. And I answer them still in peace. I ain't letting go of my gospel peace. Yes, Miss Susie. I might give her an extra fact just to show the enemy, you don't got me today. That's me. That's just me. Verse 15, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness of the gospel of peace, verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. In all circumstances, do everything by faith with which you can extinguish all the, all the flaming darts of the evil one. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. That is our focus today. Roman soldiers would wear a helmet going into war. And the helmet was made in such a, some of you guys may remember it. I normally can't take movies like 300 where people get chopped up and sliced on in war and just blood splattering. That's not my thing. But I did try a couple of times and got past the first five minutes and saw that their helmets had 
uh, went all the way down to their neck. Like there was like a scooping in the back. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? And so when I was studying and saw um, that they had helmets that went down to their neck, it was to cover their neck. I, I read that the purpose of that was because there was such thing as a battle axe used in war. And the battle axe specific purpose was to decapitate the heads of their enemies. The helmets were made of leather, bronze sometimes, and of course iron at times. And those helmets were made to be impenetrable. See, when you do not put on your helmet of salvation, you are exposing yourself to decapitation in the spirit. Without the head, you can't move. Without the head, you cannot move. Nothing functions without that brain of yours. Nothing. So when you don't protect it, when you don't put on your helmet of salvation, and what is that? What is salvation? Salvation is knowing God saves. So that means God is giving me a way out. Because what does someone do when they're, when they're coming to save you? They're coming to rescue you from something. They're coming to take you out of one place of, de of destruction and conflict and chaos to a place of peace. So when God says put on the helmet of salvation, it says, I need you to think a certain way. I need you to know that I am here to save. So that means when things are coming your way, thoughts fiery darts are coming your way and they're coming to take you out, you have to fight back with the saving grace of Jesus Christ. I'll give you an example with one of our children. One of our children, he's a passionate one. And there have been times, even in his little grades, the school will call and they're like, for righteousness sake, your son popped another kid because he was writing on, a, on the back of the school wall with a sharpie and your son told him to stop and he wouldn't. And your son laid him out. He, I mean, he's standing for righteousness. And, and does he get in trouble? We like, buddy, don't hit people, but that was right. You don't let nobody write on the school. All right. But this is the child that we have to strategically walk out of his anger. Anger is his thing. It's something he'll probably have to make sure he's on top of for a long time. But what happens? I play the role of the vessel used by God as his parent to help him navigate out of the situation. We're playing board games the other night. He starts losing the little cup game or whatever. He gets upset. When he gets upset, sometimes he'll get to the point where he will slam the game. Boom. He mad. I was that kid too. What happens? And that time, me or his dad get in his corner. We play the role of the Holy Spirit, if you will. And we say, okay, son. We know you're upset right now because you lost this game. That's a reality, right? It's the truth. You lost this game. But guess what? Even though you lost this game, you're still an awesome person. You're still a great child. Guess what? Your anger, it's okay to be mad. The Bible says it's okay to be mad. Jesus got mad. Son, it's okay to be mad, not asking you to put down your anger. What am I giving him? A way out. But I am going to ask you, son, make sure it doesn't push you to disrespect. Because once you disrespect a sibling or a parent, we got a problem. So, son, I want you to think bigger than this game. When this game is over, we're going to have a good time together as a family. You still get your nighttime show. 
Son, you still get, I'll go into things he cares about. You still have this and that. I zoom him out of the game. Get way bigger and way higher than this moment. Because if I can get him to take his eyes off of what's making him angry, he will then begin to be able to walk in the spirit or be a person that is at peace again. The helmet of salvation is when you say, God, I know you're saving me. Give me a way out. I believe you will give me a way out, so I'm coming to you for a way out. Right now, I'm angry. Right now, I'm frustrated. Right now, I want to quit. Right now, I'm sick and tired. God, give me a way out. What's our strategy? What's our game plan? What is it you want me to do? What is it I need to say or not say? Do I need to walk away and breathe for a moment? What is my way out to keep this helmet on my head that I may not be taken out because of my own feelings? Because of the schemes the enemy is trying to come against me with. God, what is my way out? And it's something I'm even charging the parents with. I know it's something that Pastor Evan and I have had to learn, and it's by the Holy Spirit. This isn't something necessarily that was done with us, but we're talking him through it. That way, one day when we're not there, he's able to navigate that thing on his own. He can talk himself down. And there are other times where we give him scripture. Babe, greater is God that's in you. You're stronger than this. You're, you can you can keep, because I'm telling you, his fist ball up. <laughs> You think you're about to like spin in a circle and just like clobber everybody? Nope. Stay calm, babe. You're bigger than this. You got this. I say that to you this morning. You bigger than this. The situations and things that's trying to hinder you, keep you down, you're bigger than this. I don't care if it's a financial struggle. You won't always struggle if you truly follow the God of all lowercase g, God's. Don't let money become the God. Don't let it become the God. And some of you are thinking, oh, money ain't a God. A lot of times when you are struggling, it easily becomes a God. Because you would do anything for the dollar. There are folks who have sacrificed so much to have more money. And their focus is having more money so much to where all they do is worry about it. It is consuming their thoughts. It is everything they think about is what else they need. So how else would you define something else being your God besides having all of your attention? Something that you make, you move and, and have your being as a result of what it can do for you. I'm not talking about working because God calls us to work. He says, if you lazy, you ain't going to eat. So he says work for it, but he also specifically says, don't let it run you. So at what point do we say, I'm not going to let music be my God? Every time I get down or upset, every time we break up, I play that brandy, broken hearted. <laughs> music is not going to be my driver in life. I'm mad. I'm playing, I don't even know who out. I'm playing whatever. <laughs> what is your God? When you get upset, frustrated, down, discouraged, do you talk to him? If you don't talk to him, that means you are not drawing close to him. He's always with you. God doesn't leave you. You call, he's there. Something else he wants me to share is the strategy I, I do have at work. If I need to walk to the bathroom stall, we about to have holy time in the stall. 
Lord, I come to you. I've lifted my, I'm in the stall. Jesus, help me. Lord, I want to take them out right now. I won't respond to this email this moment. I'm coming to you for peace, God. But even in doing that, God told us, do everything in faith. Do everything in faith. What am I doing when I'm in that stall? Like, God, help me. Or, Lord, they're asking me if it's a situation you battle. They're asking me to the bar again. I'm trying to stop drinking. God, I don't know how to tell them I ain't going. God, I need a way out. God, I'm coming to you right now. Save me. Everybody say, save me. Everyone say, save me. And that is exactly what God wants to do. I've shared with you this morning that your armor is required to win. And I've shared with you that you have to be prepared and that you want to have the Holy Spirit in your corner to give you that strategy as to how to walk out of that thing. Lord, have mercy. I want you to turn to Isaiah 12, Isaiah 59, verse 12. And I'm seeing in the English Standard Version, Isaiah 59, verse 12. And this is where we're going to close this morning. Are y'all with me out there? God is our defense. And he doesn't allow us to be in any war or situation that we can't win. He's in the war with us. Hallelujah. All right. Okay, I'm going to, okay, so I'm going to go King James. I know, so many options. And I'm going to start at verse 12. And this is the prophet Isaiah speaking. And the prophet Isaiah is speaking as a result of so many transgressions or sins, people stepping back away from the things of God. Verse 12, he says, for our transgressions are multiplied before thee. He's talking to God. Our, our transgressions are multiplied before you, God. He goes on to say, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. Oh, Isaiah was honest one. He said, we know completely well what we've done wrong, and they are being used as a defense against us. Verse 13, in transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. He's making it plain. And judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. He is saying, we need justice, and it's not near us. We need defense, and it's not here because of what, what we have done. So many times we feel as if our flaws, the things that we do that we know that God would not be happy with, we allow those things to create a distance in our mind that is not there. God said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Does he not like the, the things that you've done? Of course. He doesn't like the behavior. He loves the child. He may not like the behavior. It may detest him, to be honest. But he loves the child. But many times how we treat other people is we put ourselves in a position where we'll wrap a person's behavior all the, all the way up with them and we throw them out. So we assume... Sometimes unconsciously, that's what God's doing to us, and he's not. God separates the two. I love my children. I died for them. 
but the behavior has to go because it's removing them from the justice they need. Verse 14, and judgment is turned away backward and justice standeth afar off. Truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth, and he that departeth from evil maketh himself pray. What? He just said, if I try to walk away from this evil in this environment, I put a bullseye on my back. Now, that's real talk right there. I wish I had time to dive in. And the Lord saw it. Everyone say, the Lord saw it. And it displeased him, and that there was no judgment. See, judgment is a good thing because it allows a stop in the behavior to make a change and a turn. It allows you to say, we're going to close it up here. We're going to wrap this um, let's say, allegation up right here. We're going to wrap up this bad choice right here. We're going to assign a judgment, and then you have a clean slate. Let's move on. Let's now walk in God. Let's now get ourselves together. Let's now be real with ourselves that we can grow. Verse 16, and he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. This is God saying, why is no one standing in the gap for these people who have turned away from God? God looked, he saw it, he heard the cries from the people, even in their sin, and said, where's the intercessor? That's why we have early morning prayer here at 7 a.m. Who's praying? Who's going, who's lifting up the people of faith for life, the community, the state, the country, all the tragedies that's happened this week? Who is praying? Let us be those people. 16, right there in the middle, it says, therefore his arm brought what? Everybody say salvation. His arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness is sustained in him. Verse 17, for he put on righteousness as a breastplate. This is now referring to Christ the Redeemer. I want to be clear on that. When he heard the cry, this is his response. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and an helmet of what? Upon his head. He said, I, the Savior will have a certain way of being as I go and fight and intercede for my people. And he specifically calls out the helmet of salvation. He goes on to say, and righteousness, it sustained him. That's verse 16. Hobby McDowell, I'm sorry. And he put on the garments of what? Vengeance for clothing. What? Jesus is going into war for his people in vengeance? Yes. Jesus is tough. Jesus comes hard for his people. And don't ever forget it. You feel like you're discouraged. You feel like you're down. You feel like you don't know a way out. God will come fight for you. And he puts on his armor. And then he's asked us, when it's your turn to fight, no, I'm with you because I died to give you that right. But you need to put on your armor too. You need to put on your armor too. So our challenge today is will you put on the armor of God? Will you do it? Will you go to him? Will you talk to him? Will you study the word? Will you grow? You know what to do. Will you do it? Will you give him a chance to prove himself to you as being a savior? Will you believe that he will give you 
a way out. Amen. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.